When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holler at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. At State Farm, we're committed to uplifting black futures. In collaboration with organizations like 100 Black Men and National Urban League, State Farm provides high school students with the opportunity to learn and apply best practice strategies for saving and investing, all while offering academic support, life skills, and exposure to college access programs to prepare these students for life after high school. Check out 100blackmen.org and nul.org to donate and learn more. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. I'm Kendrick Watson. I just jumped out the porch with dirty glove bastards. Scratched a million off my checklist three years ago. At two zeros to the one, I'm in a different mode. All right, today we got Kendrick Watson hopping off the porch with us today. For sure. How you feeling today, gang? Man, I feel so good, man. It's an honor to be here. Man, it's an honor to be here with you. Man, I appreciate that. It's a pleasure having you today, for real, for real, man. Sure. So tell us, what you out here working on in Atlanta? Man, I'm out here pushing my book. I had wrote a book uh, about my life story, things that went on in my life as a childhood, all the way up to the point of me going to jail and um, being falsely uh, incarcerated by the justice system down there in Shelby County. For those who, people that don't know about Shelby County, that's in Memphis, Tennessee. And um, I was in jail for like six years. You know what I mean? So, um, uh, illegal sentence. And there was a lot of evidence planted. A lot of innocent people went to jail behind uh, my name. So, I wrote a book about it while I in jail. And I got out, man. I, once I got out, paroled out, I just started, I got it published. And man, I've been just going city to city telling my story and trying to push my book. So I'm here in Atlanta to, man, to jump off the porch with it. Yes, and then sir. I got a book signing coming up down here. So man, I'm oh, excited sure. to be here. It's exciting to have yeah. you here, man. Yeah. So for those who wouldn't even know, what's life like in Memphis? I mean, from where I come from, hell. You know, like, I mean, I come from a, um, a low class situation out there in Fraser. It's not a rich, it's not a rich area. A lot of violence, a lot of crime. Uh, I mean, I can say you can make the best of any situation down there, but it, 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 it was back in the 90s, you know, it was a pretty decent place to be. You know, a lot of gangs took over. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of people, a lot of middle class people moved out of there. Uh, low class income uh, place where I'm from, out there in Fraser. Um, it's kind of rough, but it's, you know, it's what you make of it, you know. Straight up. Yeah. So what side of the city are you from? I'm from North Memphis, but by the way of Fraser. Yeah. So they kind of combine it to North Memphis, but they, you might hear some people say Fraser Bay. So I'm Fraser. For sure. Yeah. So how does the North Side compare to the rest of the city? Well, what we got, we, we, we separated four parts, like probably like any city. But Fraser took on an area of his own. So we got North Memphis, South Memphis, West Memphis. West Memphis kind of connected to Arkansas. Half Arkansas, half Memphis, so we call it West Memphis, but it's really in Arkansas. And we got, uh, like I said, North, South. Then we got the mound, 
and you know they 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 own entity by themselves. They don't claim no powers of Memphis. And Fraser kind of liked it. So just recently, people probably say North Memphis and Fraser, but Fraser it is in the north. But we always been like Fraser Bay or Fraser, you know what I'm saying, stuff yeah. like that. But it, it, it's basically North Memphis. I feel that the area of Memphis. So how would you describe your childhood coming up? Oh, uh, well, it was decent. It was it was alright growing always growing up. Um, I had a pretty fair childhood, mom, single parent mom, uh, supporting me and my sister. But uh, I'm not really actually from Memphis. I'm from Rosedale, Mississippi, from a place uh, down there by Cleveland. It's in Bolivar County. Uh, we moved up to Memphis maybe back in like 1988. I was probably eight years old. Uh, we moved there with an auntie uh, that was real strict, but we, we, we moved to the city with her. And, uh, so I had a pretty decent childhood. Mom did the best she could until her life changed for the worst. Like maybe my senior year in school, I was I think maybe I was graduating. I mean, I maybe going to my senior year, and uh, she had that, that conversation with me and my sister. Like, look, man, some things in my life didn't change. Uh, had let us know that she had started using drugs, hard drugs, stuff that I ain't know nothing about. Um, uh, and uh, I'm like, what drug? Crack cocaine. So it kind of shattered my senior year, man. I went crazy. Cause I got, a, I really had a, I really still do. Got a good mama. And uh, to hear her tell me when I'm going into the most important grade in my life, you know, senior year, senior trip, senior year, and I'm about to graduate for college. To hear your mom say that instead of me using that as motivation, it was kind of like my down here. Straight up. So when would you say you jumped off the porch? Man, around about 16. I was green to this though. People don't know about green. Never did no drugs, never drunk no kind of alcohol. Just like to dress a lot, like to, I still do to this day, yeah. but like to, you know, I like to be dressing. Had a car when I was 14, mom did that. So um, I jumped off maybe about 16. When she told me that, like that day she told us, she was sitting on my auntie's stairs. And she told me and my sister, like, look, I'm getting high. And uh, when she told me that, man, like, my life just went downhill from there. So about 16, I end up joining up with the wrong crowd, um, end up robbing a bank, a federal bank, not knowing what I was doing, you know, join, join gangs and stuff like that. Uh, I went peer pressure, I just tried to fit in, you know what I'm saying? So. What I did was I had robbed the bank about 17 going into 18. And man, I, that was one of the biggest turnarounds of my life because I ended up going to the fed, federal, to the feds. Not knowing that the bank that I went in there and robbed, you know what I'm saying, was going to get me in that much trouble. I skipped yeah. past juvenile and state custody and went straight to the big league. Yeah. United, I robbed the United States government. So that was a different experience in my life. So probably about. 17, 18, man, things changed for me. Damn. So how was your experience in federal prison at a young age like that? Man, my me being green on the streets, cause I was a school kid. Like, like I said, prep, like the dress and be flash in school. So me going into a league like that with big time drug dealers and people who are from all over the world, it was a, it was a, it was a rough experience. It wasn't a, a physical rough experience as far as me being picked on and stuff like that, but. Uh, I'm, I was dealing with guys that were really fast, you know what I'm saying? So, cause I'm not used to, I wasn't used to the street at that time. I'm just somebody that was just normally, 
you know, go to school and skip, make cut a class with a girl or something. Now I'm in the in the feds. Yeah. And me going to court and they saying like the state of Tennessee said the United States of America versus you. That mean that I'm being persecuted by all 52 states. Like everybody mad at you for what yeah. you did. So it was a different experience. So, but the the, the, the tricky thing about it is. Like I said, I was staying with an auntie, and she was real strict. You know, she got us down here from Mississippi and mistreated my mom, me, my sister. So it was like I was in prison already, you know? So therefore, I was kind of prepared. I, I, I was mentally there in prison because I was already in prison on the street. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? So, yeah. but it was just the dealing with the different gangs and the different guys from different situations that kind of, strengthened me and conditioned me to, to uh, in the fed because man them guys were running circles around me at first man they was man get me out of my commissary I'm making story man yeah. I'm, I'm I'm telling look I got everybody I'm they keeping keeping their stuff in their locker but eating all my food my little high school girl was working a little um a, uh, a waitress job at the Waffle House I ain't yeah. gonna say her name but she was working and she was taking care of me and I was trying to act like I was a big like I was big like these big drugs too. Yeah. <laughs> but man, I was living off this girl's chick. Yeah. And man, they ran me dry, they ran that poor girl off on me. Damn, man. <laughs> <laughs> so once you got more experience, would you say you got guidance from any OGs? Yeah, I did, man. I actually ran across a guy in Nashville, man. That really changed me and made me to the person I was. Instead of it, I went in there. Where I went in there, I got my GED. I did do that. Uh, I ended up uh, in uh, Leavenworth Penitentiary. And I met a guy by the name of Paul Woods uh, out of Nashville, Tennessee. Big time drill dealer, big, big, big guy. Uh, and he took me up on his wing and he was like, man, I can't believe you robbed no bank, man. You so smart and intelligent. You was a bank robber? And I'm like, yeah, robbed the bank. You know what I'm saying? But uh, he was, like I said, a big time drug dealer. And uh, he put me in, 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 like, he barely can read at that time. He's smart, but he was not a big reader. And he was like, man, you can really read and, and you fast in here. You know, because once I, once I got in there and bumped my heads a couple of times and lost uh, my high school sweetheart, I had to fend for myself. Like I said, mama get high, my sister. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. Eon, you know, I really didn't have nobody. My sister did the best she could. I was by myself. Yeah. So I went in there and had to learn learn the hard way. And I was able to survive. You know, I, I survived in there. And uh, he took me, like I say, he took me underway and he groomed me, but he didn't condition me to get out and get my college degree or nothing. He was like, man, look, man, you could be just as big as I was in the drug game. Yeah. So that's what I did. I learned the drug trade. I learned the drug trade and, and I and I got out and became a once I got out, I became a... That nigga. A big time drug dealer. <laughs> I thought I was undercover drug dealer, but yeah. big, yeah. Nah, for sure. How did you get the nickname North Memphis Santa Claus? <laughs> <laughs> uh, this was just recently I got that. Uh, this, this, was, this, was, uh, this was last year. I was, uh, I was at home, and uh, me and a friend of mine, we, uh, we in on a convenience store. So, and I was trying to figure out ways to jumped the convenience store off the ground. You know, I was trying to take a different approach. So I had, uh, in the, in the, in the um, convenience store, I was off exit five, that's in Hollywood, then that's the North Memphis area. So I was like, 
what can we do to bring attention to the store to make people you know, recognize her. So I just, man, I just, I just got out the blue. I said, man, you know what? It was towards critical time. I said, you know what? Man, I'm finna give away a whole bunch of stuff. But mind me, my jet, I had been locked up six years. I just got out of jail. I, got, I just got out of jail March 27th. I ain't had no capital, nothing. And I was able to finish my way and man, made a couple of right business decisions and got, man, got my finances right. And I said, man, you know what I'm gonna do? Man, I'm finna give back to the community. We got the pandemic going on, and so many lives are being lost and stuff like that, man. I'm gonna try to turn a dark situation and make it bright. So I was like, man, I'm finna call myself North Memphis Sound. I'm gonna make these people laugh that went into the, into the store and purchase the things that we had to offer. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, first I was just gonna give away $1,000. And then more and more, my little kind heart, more and more, I'm like, man, I'm finna go buy a refrigerator. I'm finna go buy a stove. I'm finna go buy a video game. Mm -hmm. And it just got big. You know, and uh, I was able to get uh, get some more endorsements and people come in and we, from the South and the East and stuff like that. And man, I'm East Memphis Santa Claus, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I made it a fun situation and it became epic. So I did North Memphis Santa last year. So North Memphis Santa, he, he coming this year too. <laughs> for sure, man. Spread that positivity. Yeah, for sure. So how did you ultimately end up sentenced to 20 years in prison? Well. It, it was a little more than 20. It was maybe it was 49. Uh, what happened was, I had, uh, like I said, when I got out the feds, I had, um, I, accept, I, I established myself. I was able to uh, uh, get multiple, I got a food chain, multiple businesses. Um, and I got up on the radar from an officer because my sister had ended up, um, purchased a rental property from one of the uh, officer cousins. I didn't know there was an officer at the time. And she purchased a rental property. And the guy wanted to end up selling her the property because he felt like, you know, she was young, young, a young, a young mother of five. He was like, man, I can save this house. Not knowing that the house that he was selling had a lot of equity in it. And um, so he tried to get what he tried to get with the real estate agent. They tried to swindle my sister out of the out of the, uh, the, money, the money that was inside the house. Mm -hmm. So she called me over. So the guy, I think he heard of me or something like that, being, you know, getting out the fed for robbing banks, but I, I came at peace. So he had his cousin come over to the house, not knowing his cousin was a, a, a Memphis organized crime unit drug detective. And I know him to keep my cars in my sister's house. But the, the cousin never got out the car. So he sit in the car and uh, while we talked to the, talked to the guy that was selling my sister the rental property, trying to get that situation rectified. And he was taking pictures with his phone of, of my cars in the yard. And I had all my cars in my name. And I had a convenience store, like in, in the Fraser area, where my sister had to have. My sister had a house in Raleigh. Raleigh and Fraser really kind of connected. And they, they separated by a light. Mm -hmm. and, um, and he started just harassing me after that. Like I had like two Lexus. You know what I mean? Two, uh, two different kinds of Lexus. And from there, he had just started pulling me over. I, like I had, like one instance, I had some people in the car with me one time. The guy beamed down on my car, pulled me over, and these, the people that was in the car maybe had some, maybe had a pill or a bag of weed. I actually heard this guy say, if y'all say all that he is, I'll let y'all go. Damn. So this dude was picking on me for like seven, eight years Either he'll do it or he'll send another officer to do his dirty work for him, but it's always him. 
and all the way up to leading to this book, man. I mean, it was that crucial. Shit, crazy. Yeah, for sure. How did they ultimately illegally wiretap your phone? All right, so what they did was, like I say, uh, with this guy here um, picking at me, and he, he was trying to make it uh, seem like it wasn't personal. So what he'll do, he'll, like, he was with the organized crime unit. So what he'll do, but they had, like, they sectioned off in different teams. Team one, team two, team three. So team seven is what the, is what the division that was investigating me. It might be seven or eight officers in that team. He might arrest me and say, well, okay, I'm out of it. And then he'll put his partner on me. You see what I'm saying? And then uh, once his partner get the case, but he'll assist the partner like, oh, I'm just assisting on it. It's not my case. Mm-hmm. But it was the same officer. But anyway, and, and I'm not trying to take you too fast, but they end up, uh, end up eventually convincing the judge that this dude huge. Man, we arresting this dude. We ain't got people really flipping on him. This dude got all living his lavish lifestyle. He ain't got no source of legitimate income. Really lying because I had multiple businesses. But uh, selling me to a judge, me not knowing at the time that how the system was working in Shelby County, I was never focusing on like prosecutors. I never knew nothing about that prosecutors and judges and stuff like that. I only knew about like road police officers. But I knew that a lot of stuff that they were doing, they were starting to harass me. So eventually uh, they got a judge to buy to the concept like, look, we trying to investigate this guy. We, we, we can't send an informant at him. He know that. We can't send an undercover at him. He pretty swift on it. So they were saying all the police tactics that they was trying to approach me, I would be aware of and be conscious of. It's the police. So, Straight up. so the only way to get a white tap on my phone was to say, well, look, all our physical surveillance are failing, but we got to get inside his phones because we know that he's doing things because they physically couldn't see me doing nothing, but at my business. But they were like, but his lifestyle too big. So what they did was got a judge. What they did, they didn't even get a legal warrant. What, what Shelby County did to me was they ended up getting a thing called a Stingray device. And uh, this Stingray device is a cell site simulator. And what this device does, it allows the Memphis Police Department to illegally monitor phones. Like, say like, if you got a T-Mobile, Verizon, Cricket, Bellsouth in one area, this device is so powerful, it can steal your conversations and data from your phone company, where your phone company won't even get the information they'll get it in their database. Yeah. So even if they trying to investigate me, if y'all in that vicinity, it'll steal your conversations as well. Mm-hmm. This is how strong this device was. And a Stingray device is, it's a device that's, uh, that's, that's made up out of Florida. It was made for terrorists. Like they made it to go over there and locate terrorists. But now the local law enforcement, have, it, it, all over, not just Shelby County, is getting this device with taxpayer money violate their Fourth Amendment, you know, uh, illegally tapping phones. So that's what they did to me. They did a legal white tap, gather information that, that to, to see without really doing drug transactions on the phone, took it to a judge, and he granted them a legal white tap. Mm. That's, that's how they did me. That shit look crazy. Yeah, for sure, for real. They altered your text messages as well, wasn't it? Yeah, so once they uh, locked me up, 
with the with the street YTAP, I was able to discover and prove that they was illegally monitoring my phone. Mm. So once they realized that I that I had more sense than they than, than they anticipated, they had me uh, confined, locked up on maximum security. Like, look, let's, let's script his privileges because he's able to. And while he's in the county, he's able to use the phone a lot. So what they did, they had me locked down, sent to this thing they call a workhouse, the Pentaform, um, and had me locked on maximum security so they can cripple my phone conversation. Not knowing my popularity in jail got me a cell phone. So I ended up getting a cell phone in there. But they also was able to, they found out because once I stopped using the jail phone, because I, I stayed on the phone a lot, trying to get my family member, look, man, this case ain't right. And once I started convincing when something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holler at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. People did. The judge and prosecutor were behind this. People were like, man, he crazy. Man, ain't no judge and prosecutor doing nothing like this. Mm -hmm. And uh, so they had the judge that I was going before on my first case, exposing that I knew that my phone was illegally tapped on my street case, start working with the same officers and white tap my contraband phone while I was in jail. And hearing me call him corrupt, and he was knowing all my strategies that I was trying to do on the case that, that was pending before him that I was trying to get out of jail on, he was helping them and listening with them. They were reporting to him like, look, Judge, he's trying to sue. If we drop this case and prove that he's telling the truth, he's gonna do this and do this. So the judge, instead of him throwing the case out, he strung me alone on my first case, like, I'm gonna throw you out for a year trial, knowing he was never gonna have a trial because he was trying to help them build a second case against me. So what they did, by me not being, a, by them knowing that I didn't suppose to have a cell phone, what they did was, they got a YTAP warrant and lied and, and, and corporate, corporate me in jail with like 20 other individuals that I didn't even know saying that I was running drugs on maximum security through a, a bread truck, you know, like, like, like the delivery trucks that bring the jails to the prison. Like, so they were saying that I had somebody working on, on from like Wonder Bread that was bringing drugs through the, now through the, all these police officers to me on maximum security. Some people I don't even know nothing about. But who gonna believe me? I'm in jail fight one drug conviction. Now you got the same judge saying that oh he's still running a big drug enterprise, pushing all these this dope in the jails. So my support system, what he did was tell him, told his officer, lock everybody up that's helping him. And it, like my sister, for instance, she was a supporter of mine. Like I said, never been, she's never been convicted of a crime. Never went to jail, never had a speed ticket. At the time, she couldn't even drive. Um, they went in and altered me and her conversation, made our innocent conversation, and he had the, these officers to remanufacture our conversation, made them crumble. So say for instance, I tell my sister, say, hey, good morning. And she tell me about like, none what up. They changed that from, hey, good morning, none what up. You should get that dope in the morning. I put it around it. Everybody got me. Not knowing my sister had a Google app they, they was downloading all her text messages in real time. So they didn't know this, I didn't even know this type of technology existed. I didn't even know, I didn't even know she had this type of technology. 
So they go and build a brand new wiretap case on me. So I got two wiretap cases, one from the street and one from jail. So they had this thing said, oh, big time drug kingpin, Kendrick Washington, still running drugs from Texas to Memphis and he's got family members doing that, but they really was trying to tear my support system down and got caught because my sister had a Google app. Now they presented a fake version of our phone record and my sister had Google to bag up the real version. Instead of them dropping the charge like, man, look, man, we can't get caught with all this corruption. They was like, look, let's do it like this. Separate the sister off the case. We're going to drop that case, but we're going to force him now. I'm beat at this time because I got over 50 charges. No one ain't fake, but I could have went to trial. But how they did took one case, one set of white taps, and separated me with about five, six different cases. So, so if I said, say if I would have won this one case, I still got different case numbers to where I got to go to trial on this, trial on this, trial on this. So really, I would have still been in jail to this day. So people always ask me, why you take a gift plea and then go to trial? Because how they worked the system. They separated me, put me in a different courtroom, but it was just off one set of original white taps. So once my sister exposed it, her text me was fake, they dropped her charges and told me, well, if you're going to go to trial, she ain't going to be able to testify to prove that these text messages was fake. You just take and let 12 people who don't know nothing about the law prove if, if you telling the truth or not. So think about it. I'm in jail. I'm paying as a drug dealer. Who going to believe me saying that the text message is fake if I don't have my sister to come to court and testify that me and her ain't made these statements? So, mm -hmm. yeah, the judge had these people change my, my information. That's crazy. Yeah, that's what they do in Sheriff County. And you ultimately pled guilty. I ultimately pled guilty to 49 years, but what they did, they ran all my time in concurrent. Like I said, I had multiple sentences. So they gave me 12 years, three years, 17 years. So mm -hmm. 17 was the biggest, but I was already out on six years of probation. So they stacked the six years with the 17 and ran all the rest of the time in and made it a 23 year sentence. So I'm sitting in jail on a legal sentence, poor treatment, for a crime, that mind me, it was a marijuana case. It was nothing else. And they didn't get not one cigarette of drugs. Nothing, 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 period, nothing. It's just a bunch of falsified paperwork, planted text messages, altered information, and they got the judge and the prosecutors working in collusion with the police department to try to make it look big against me. But ultimately, I had a lawyer that stood firm with me, and, and we came up with a strategy. Like, look. Plead guilty, man. See some daylight. Because they're trying to give you dinosaur numbers. And we'll come back and we'll fight the case the way I'm doing it now. And I'm looking good. I sued everybody for $15.5 million. And that lawsuit pending. And I just filed, a, uh, just recently, filed this thing they call a federal hate. And what that's called, I'm pressing charges against the judges, prosecutors, and police officers in criminal. So I got a civil lawsuit for damages, but I'm I'm, I'm finding a, a criminal appeal for, to overturn my conviction and saying this is why I pled guilty because these people was abusing their authority and they knew this and it just piled up so big, man. You got, I done found out so many people besides the officers who were behind them. They got the city of Memphis that was supporting these people. Could you imagine the city of Memphis? It's like the city of Georgia telling officers it's cool to go out and be rolled. Mm -hmm. This is how they making conviction. I didn't even know this. It had any officers not came and knocked on my door and, Picked on me, I wouldn't even knew it was crooked DA, DAs and judges and city attorneys. It's that many people at me. And I'm still living amongst these people today. Like I haven't moved, I'm, I'm standing firm, I'm believing in God, you know what I mean? But I told them, and the funny thing about it, when it happened, I told them, look, 
I'm gonna sue everybody. I'm telling y'all, I'm gonna do this. Up. So I'm telling them in jail, I don't know who y'all think I am, but I'm somebody. Yeah. And now they starting to feel the wrath of me. You know what I'm saying? I'm standing firm and I'm going city to city to city telling my story. Straight up. How would you describe your experience while in prison? Horrible. Because in Memphis, Memphis is one of the most heinous towns in the world. And people knowing that you were successful, they know you're a stand-up guy and they'll run with the thing. Oh, he the police, he'll snitch. So me knowing I'm fighting uh, against the police, trying to help everybody, and you'll have guys still turn around and say, oh man, he the police, how? So imagine being in jail where you can't go to your house and block this stuff type of, uh, uh, these type of rumors away. You gotta sit in here and, and, and be amongst the prisoners and hearing that you a snitch, cause I got multiple child parties, but these people have been violated like me. What can I, why, why would I tell on them? And I was supposed to be the leader, but I'm fighting the system. I'm fighting what's right, but that's Memphis. So, you know, in Memphis, tra bad news travel way faster than good news. So my experience ain't like I had no physical altercation, but just the mental abuse alone, instead of it, 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 me letting it take me down, it made me stronger. Yeah. And it made me here to write this book and tell my story. Straight like that. You know? Let's talk about your first novel, I See Everything. Oh yeah, Ice, this is my baby. Um, I just give you a little detail about everything we just discussed. It tells you about my childhood, my upbringing, how it all started. It, uh, and I was able to go in there and build a case against the justice system. Um, and I had, uh, I took my childhood and what I went through with the justice system, just put it all together. And I started out writing my testimony to God, asking for his forgiveness. Instead of praying, I wrote it. Mm -hmm. And uh, I sent it home and they made a novel out of it. But the, uh, I came up with ICE, if you can see it. ICE, I have a judge in the front, well, black judge, because it was a black judge that did this to me. Mm -hmm. Instead of his having, him having a black robe, I put him with a blue robe on and I covered one in his eyes. And what I, the blue robe stands for, it was an ice cold situation and what they did to me in the courtroom. So I, I named it ICE because I was letting him know, even though he was covering his eyes to justice, because you know justice is supposed to be equal. The scale of justice is supposed to be equal. But if you see in my book, I tilt the scale of justice behind him, and I offset it because I was letting him know that you was going with what was wrong, and you seeing the truth the whole time. And, uh, and it hurt me because there was a black, black African-American judge doing this. You know what I'm saying? I mean, mm -hmm. not saying I'm playing the race car, but man, you see what these people doing to me and you going with this. So I felt like, man, it's an ice cold situation, what you doing, but I took his eye that he covered and put it on the outside of his hand and let him know I see everything. So that's how I was able to create the book Ice. That's how I was able to do it. So while you were away in prison, would you say you had a... Who needs an alarm in the morning? When McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles. And a breakfast cutoff. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Strong support system on the outside? I had a great support system. And um, they, they, drama, they dramatized some people behind it. Because, like I said, innocent people that were standing up behind me and believed, they started believing in what I was saying was incarcerated on the second white tower. It was all about to knock my support system down. 
And uh, my support system all the way from the day I went in to the day I got out was very strong. Mm -hmm. Even though they went to jail, I, would think, I, would, I was thinking that they would be mad at me. They got out and just got even stronger behind me. You understand me? So I had a great support system the whole time. I, I never wanted for nothing. Everything that I needed filed, everything that I needed done, even if I needed to pay the lawyer, they was finding ways to make things happen. These working class women, never, they never been involved with me with nothing illegal, don't know nothing about nothing illegal. And you know what I'm saying? So if somebody come in their house and just tell them, you going to jail for 16 counts of selling drugs to a prison and stuff like that, you would think that they'll be like, oh, hey, I don't want no positive, this guy. Yeah. But it backfired against the system. It made them stronger and made my evidence stronger. So my support system was excellent. And they, my support system still with me today. That's solid, man. Yeah. How did you ultimately end up beating the case? I didn't beat it. What it is, is I, 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 I strategize. I can go to trial, get 60 years, 67 years on 1K, and try to play with this appeal system, in which I learned later that these judges in these appellate courts is friends with these judges in these lower courts. And what they do in, with the system is they play with the language of law. And what, and, 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 and what I mean by that is the same laws that was written by the legislator they taking them same laws, manipulating it to, to fit what they think in their opinion. So what they did to me, well, what they would have done to me if I would have went to trial, even though they see that this judge was wrong, it's ways that they can say, they can use another law that doesn't make any sense in creating and denying. So the appeals take maybe 18, 12, maybe 20 years. So I would have sit 15, 20 years and down the blue, oh, this man was innocent and stuff like that. So what I did was, once I knew that my lawyer was game, I said, listen, I'm gonna take a guilty plea, but I'm gonna come back on a post-conviction. I got enough evidence over the uh, amount of years that I was incarcerated to where I can build and I can prove my innocence and I can also prove that not only the police, but the DA's office in Shelby County, as well as some of the judges that was signed off on the warrants was all working together and I think I can expose them. So I'm gonna lay back, but I'm gonna act like I'm a I'm going to just do the time and play dominoes and shoot basketball and all that. But what I did was I went and got in the law library and strengthened my mind and strengthened, strengthened myself. And I came back with, and, and um, used my lawyer as a witness. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, look, man, I want you to go on the oath and testify to all this. You got to remind me, the, the lawyer officer of the court, why would he lie for a big time kingpin? He had no reason. Why would he get blackballed out of his career for me? But I, I was able to find a lawyer that, that was willing to do what was right. Mm -hmm. So I went back on an appeal. He testified before the judge, like, look, you know everything this guy's saying true. He was blackballed, basically this. And once they realized that how I was fighting, they called the parole board, set me up a parole and released me. Thinking that meet my freedom with, I would leave it alone. Not knowing I done wrote books and I was and I was trying to build me a a way of to approach them. So I waited for about a, maybe a year. And I just started pushing myself like, look, it's time, time now. That's and, crazy. <laughs> the time, and I just been going crazy with it. Straight like that. <laughs> yeah, for real. What was your reaction once you learned that you were coming home? I wasn't even happy. I wasn't even happy. I wanted to get even. You know, it, I was thinking like David and Goliath. But not knowing they were David and I'm Goliath. So I was, my, my whole thing was revenge. And the only thing I was probably glad about is my family and 
loved ones was glad to see me. But those who know me, I never like, oh, I'm here, I'm, I'm free. I shouldn't have been in jail in the first place. I was a successful business owner. I was successful. It just took six, six and a half years of my life. I, done built me a, I, I, I was on the way to building me a music empire. I had just signed my artists. I had a chain of restaurants. And it was all stripped, stripped, stripped away from me. And, and all my cars and my lavish lifestyle, this stuff was sold and stripped from me. And these people split my proceeds. And I, so it was personal. So I, I mean, I was glad to be alive and, and healthy getting out of jail to do what I was, I knew what I was about to do. But for me being happy being that man, I, to this day, it's still like my, my job ain't leaving, you know. I feel that. So what would you say is the biggest life lesson you learned into this entire situation? I look at it like this. If I would have never, ever even indulged myself in crime, I would have never been able to go through this type of stuff. So me even trying to be slick, you know what I'm saying? Because I cheated my kids, my babies, you know? I'm a good father, I love my children. And I cheated my children out of their fatherhood, like the, the, the daddies and, and, and son and daughter days at, at, at their schools and me being there to check them out and you know, do the things for them. So it was mine and my children more than anything. I'm not worried about me, I was so much more worried about my kids than anything. Like, Man, I cheated my babies out of so much of they, you know, out of so much of they growth. So uh, when I got out, I had to build these relationships all over again. Even though I'm screaming legal, legal, legal. But if I would have never got it, I mean, you know, illegal, illegal, illegal. But if I would have never got involved in legal, illegal things in the first place, I would have never went through this. Yeah. So I had to, like, God, did you choose me to be the vessel for this? Because I'm like, man, I done cheated my babies. Man, my kids. They, they grown now. How can I tell them not to do this and do that? They to raise themselves. They gonna be happy when you get that 15 million though. Yeah. Oh yeah, they gonna be, yeah, they gonna be real happy cause we gonna win in the end. The funny thing about it, that's just the beginning of the lawsuits because when this all happened, I was staying in Mississippi. I was staying in the suburban area of Mississippi. So these same corrupt officers got Mississippi involved. And uh, Mississippi took a lot of my property and sold it and gave me a charge that I shouldn't have had. So they're going to be happy when daddy get them 30, 40 something. I'm not through. I'm just in the beginning. Just daddy let me had. hold like one, bro. <laughs> just let me get like one. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Just look out. You know what, <laughs> what I'm saying? <laughs> what was the first thing you did once you returned home? Oh, man, I went around and visited everybody. When I say it was like a parade, because I was, I was doing my thing. I was a productive citizen in society. I was doing the giveaways and stuff like that. So it was like the internet was buzzing. I mean, people couldn't believe because I always say, I'm coming home, I'm finna come home, I'm coming home. But it always was a letdown. So I went from door to door to all the people who was believing in me. And we just took a million pictures and we just, just, I mean, and make sure I see my kid, my grandchild, and stuff like that. That was most important to me, just family. So I did it. And then this during the pandemic, I, you know, yeah. catching corona behind this stuff. <laughs> and man, I, I suffered for it, but uh, that's what I did. I just went around and embraced family. That's solid, man. You know? So what else are you out here working on? Uh, well, we finna bring ice into the, the screen, to the big screen. We got the movie, we finna start casting. My director, he's almost finna write, writing, writing the actual uh, movie to the book. 
uh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy about that, and I've been thinking about making it a screen, making it a play. You know, um, I'm working on it. Uh, I just bought me a, a China food trust and stuff like that, so I can get some of these kids a second chance, a second chance program, put them to work. Uh, and going from city to city, promote ice, and I just finished my second book as well. So I'm staying, I'm keeping myself busy. Oh man, <laughs> appreciate that one for both. Any last words and shout outs? Man, oh, no, nah, I want to thank my team. Um, hot, Kuro Sama, <laughs> and Nick, <laughs> and Tom C. I appreciate y'all for uh, supporting me. I want to also, most definitely, I want to appreciate uh, my girlfriend, April Malone, for being a, a soul to be solid, and my sister, Salitra Watson. These women had a lot of courage, uh, a lot of heart, and they buried with me through all of this, and they stood by me through this, and they was lied on, and these are good black women. And I'm not, like I said, I don't play the race card, but they, this, it is what it, it is. What it is. Yeah. Good mamas, and they was brought into my world and was lied on and picked on by the judicial system for no reason. So them my last word, I, I want to let them know I'm going to bring it home for them. And I want my sister to know that my mama always raised me. If somebody hit your sister, you hit them back. So I'm hitting back for them. Straight up. Yeah, for sure. Kendrick Watson, man, we appreciate having you today, man. I appreciate you for having me. For sure. Man, if I get this book, y'all, this book, Ice, I see everything by Kendrick Watson. Man, you can follow me on uh, Instagram, um, I am Diamond Watson. You can follow me on Facebook, Diamond Watson, or you can just Google me, Kendrick Watson. It'll tell you everywhere to get this book. The book is Ice. I see everything. The true life of Kendrick Watson, all facts, no fiction. I guarantee you, it's a judge that I just mentioned, or a prosecutor, or a police officer that I just mentioned in every county that went. And some you got a, it's a family member or somebody that went through what I went through in every county, and scared to speak out about it. But this book gonna teach you courage, knowledge, wisdom, and understand. I promise you, Ice. I see everything by Kendrick Watson. All facts, no fiction. All facts, no fiction. So. For sure, man. Kendrick, we appreciate having you, man. man I appreciate y'all for having me. It's all love, bro. For sure. <laughs> Scratched a million off my checklist three years ago. At two zeros to the one, I'm in a different mode. Hey there. Ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah. Or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before.